Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. To the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, my guys Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. We're going to preview spring practice. Georgia spring drills coming up here in just a few days. March 16th, Pro Day March 17th. They'll practice again on the 18th, and then we'll be off and running. And uh, we, we just want to go over some things before we get into spring practice. Maybe make some projections, talk about the positions we're looking at, and then uh, talk a little recruiting here at the end of the show. And uh, maybe maybe these guys, Rusty and Kip, no, no maybe to it, they will shed some light on why there have been some, uh, some decisions for some potential Georgia leans pushed back here and and how the landscape of what we've known over the past year of college football and college football recruiting may be changing here in just a little bit. But Rusty, I want to jump right into this thing because I want to make sure that what we've got, we've got a chance to say everything we want to say. Uh, Looking at the office side of the ball, give me a position, a player, a storyline that two, three weeks from now, we're going to be talking about the most in your opinion, obviously, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I ain't, I ain't hunting you down up there in <laughs> up there in Northwest Georgia if you're wrong here, but what do you think we're talking about here in three weeks? Um, I mean, the obvious, we all would agree. The obvious is the, is the left tackle position and, and what they're going to do there. We, we anticipate Jamari Salyer moving to right guard. Uh, Ken Warren McClendon hold off some very talented guys, I, you know, kind of the, you know, looking at the board sometimes, and that's kind of the pulse that we gauge. I think a lot of people are kind of writing Warren McClendon off. He was a freshman All-SEC player. So somebody will have to really unseat him. He's gotten bigger, stronger, a full year of starting. So to me, I'm not sure that position is open as much as people think. You know, I want to see Amarius Mims, you know, Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge, all those guys. Some of the new guys are on campus as well and where they fit in and kind of how they how they rotate and how they work this this O-line deal going into spring practice. I think they got some key positions. Some guys are out, but, you know, we could talk a lot. So I'll just say that left tackle position, which is the obvious, and, and uh, you know, there'll be a lot of eyes there on that position. It's a, It's wide open, but, man, they've got some really athletic dudes over there and uh, we've all seen and covered two of those guys, Broderick and, and Mims, who are man, those are those are those are those are what NFL offensive tackles look like. So we'll see what they do as young collegiate players 
and kind of who gets in that spot over there and who 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 uh, takes a minute to spring. You know, Rusty, I, I've been thinking a lot about that, and I talk a lot of offensive line. I watch a lot of offensive line. I just I like it. I like studying it, and you know there are there are concerns. There's there are things that are storylines because they're concerns, and there are things that are storylines because you just don't know what's going to happen, and. I would put the offensive line in that latter category. Just don't know what's going to happen. I don't think there's a – you got three or five starters back on the offensive line. I don't think you're looking at, like, massive holes. And I'm, I'm a lot less concerned about this 2021 offensive line than I was about the 2020 offensive line. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, you go back and we, we, we talk about – I listened to this podcast we talked about the other day too, Jake, one thing, the questions going into 2017 with, with, with Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Uh, moving to right tackle and then and then and bumping um Isaiah Wynn out to left tackle. So the theme is they got pieces. How they're gonna plug them in, I guess is the best way for me to explain it. They I think they've got some very young, talented guys, but how are they gonna plug those in? Tate Rattledge is a guy that I expect to is probably gonna make a push at guard for somebody. So, you know, you look at Justin Schaefer coming back. This is a guy that's a about a one and a half year starter. You know, who's gonna move him? Who's gonna who's gonna push him? Uh, fully anticipate him starting, but you know, he's going to be holding all some young guys behind him that are also extremely talented. So I think we were talking about 2020, 2017, and this one, they've got pieces. How are they going to plug those guys in? And Marius Mims coming in early was huge. I wish Dylan Fairchild had came in early because we really would have uh, – I, I think Dylan Fairchild is a – he's going to be a player that's going to be really hard to keep out of the lineup. And, I mean, he might play some this year. This guy – I mean, he he is he heavyweight state champion. He's got it all. Great feet. I think this guy has tremendous potential. So we'll see what happens when he gets to campus uh, in late May. You know, when I look at it, Rusty, I, I and I was telling, I think I was talking to Bill Shanks about this the other day on his radio show. You know, if they move Jamari Sawyer around, if they move, you know, Warren McClendon around, or whatever happens, I think a lot of the movement up front will happen because they want it to or because somebody forced them to as opposed to them needing to. And and that's, I think, a, a big factor there is, is yeah, if, 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 if Jamari Sawyer moves to left guard or right guard, it's because you wanted to, not because you had to, not because he's already shown you he can play left tackle at a high level. And if Justin Schaefer ends up not starting, it's because somebody forced you to, and it was one of those young offensive linemen behind him. So I think there's a lot of – there's some things to figure out on the offensive line, but they're good problems. Mostly, uh, you know, you got to figure out what's going to go on at center, all of that stuff. But I think that that when you start talking about the talent, the options, all that stuff, there's just a lot of of you know problems that you like to have as an offensive line coach. If you got to have problems, you want those kind. Uh, Kip, what are we talking about in three weeks, man? What what's kind of your storyline or your player, your position? What do you think we're talking about in three weeks? Rusty's talked about uh, uh, this guy a lot. I think that. Looking back a year ago, just looking at Georgia overall, kind of something that they really could have used in in big games and someone who we really didn't get a chance to see what he could really do, just saw a couple flashes. And, I mean, that's Arian Smith. I want to see what what he brings to this wide receiver group. I mean, they really – I mean, they're returning basically every single player who caught a pass last year, but – we didn't really get to see them unleash Arian Smith. I mean, obviously not being able to have 
uh, spring ball, not, you know, not having practice. The offense wasn't really able to gel, but Arian was, was hurt for most of the season. So this spring gives him an opportunity to showcase what he can do when he's healthy. And I think he's a guy that's going to move up the depth chart now. I, I Just looking at the the two catches he did make, I mean, that 55-yard catch in the Peach Bowl, that 31-yard touchdown catch at South Carolina, we know that he has deep ball ability. That's what he brings, you know, to the team. And we also kind of have some known commodities in the passing game already. You know what George Pickens brings. You've seen what a healthy Karis Jackson can do. We saw what Jermaine Burton did as a freshman as well. You have guys that you can depend on. But after that, you're still kind of searching. You got some guys coming off injury. We're not really sure, you know, all all positive signs so far for, for guys like Dominic Blaylock and, and, and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. But, you know, until they're back at 100%, you can't really rely on them, which is why we Rusty's also mentioned, you know, that the transfer portal might be something that, that Georgia looks into if the, if the right guy – is made available someone who could stretch the field they could they could add to that position group uh, just to have somebody else that, that they can know and depend on but that's what i wanted to see from arian smith you know this spring just that potential what he can do and and just how well he can play off of the other guys because again uh he brings a different skill set to the table george pickens is a guy you, you know just throw the ball up and if if it's near him that catch radius he's going to reel it in Jermaine Burton and Kiaris are, are they're more they've been mostly underneath guys so far intermediate route runners it's just a different dynamic to the game with Arian Smith and and, and the ability for him to kind of open things up stretch the field brings uh, a, just something that Georgia's offense obviously hasn't had since Mecole Hardman and with Todd Monken I mean that we want to see that playbook if they're if they're going to continue to, to throw the ball more, then he's going to be a guy that needs to step up in year two and, and make a big impact. We, we know he has the skill set to do it. Just want to see if he's making that continued progress and staying healthy in the spring. Yeah, I can definitely see that because I'm going with receivers just in general because – you look at the youth in Georgia secondary. You look at the fact that that Georgia brings back so many, you know, stud defensive linemen, and and that Georgia's got a little, you know, something going there in the front seven. I don't think Georgia's going to be running the ball all that well against. I mean, they're going to be practicing it. They're going to be working on it. But when you, you know, you that first scrimmage is over, I don't think you're going to be hearing about a 70-yard run from Zamir White and a 55-yard run by Kendall Milton. I mean, maybe against the twos, if, if that's kind of how it shakes out. But ultimately, I, I think that the the defensive line and, and, and linebackers are going to be able to handle their own in the, in the front seven. But I think that the combination of JT Daniels, George Pickens, uh, uh, Jermaine Burton, uh, you know, I've said it before. I've said it again. I don't think it's the end of the world if the offense is not well ahead of the defense this spring, but I do expect it to be that way. And, uh, you know, not only that, but, you know, Georgia's going to be experimenting some on the offensive line. They're going to be moving some guys around, and it's tough to get Jordan Davis and, and uh, you know, Trayvon Walker and, and you know, Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt blocked. 
if you know you're moving guys around you're not really building a whole lot of cohesion especially early in spring practice so that's kind of what I'm looking for is the receivers just to kind of get off to a fast start and and you know Kiaris Jackson and George Pickens Jermaine Burton I've I've gone on and on about how high I am on him you got Arian Smith you know Justin Robinson Lad McConkey will be looking to try to make their move as far as the offense goes so uh, I'm really looking out for that let's jump into a break here real quick we'll talk a little defense on the other side before we jump into recruiting I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Rusty, back to you, buddy. Uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit. What are we talking about? Uh, man, I'm saying a lot. I'm saying talking about a lot. What are we? What's the story here in about three weeks with the defense? What do you expect to hear a lot about? Whether who's who's playing the corner positions and what new guys, younger guys, Nylon Green, those those type players are, um, you know, in the rotation. How they how are we seeing those things rotate? Star position. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that the the agreement that the front seven is is pretty damn solid for Georgia. There's some spots here and there you want to do their front seven. Is, is elite. I mean, it can be elite. That back end is where the question marks are. All the bodies, they're gone, transfers, graduations, early entries, you know, Tyson Campbell leaving, th- those type, Tyreek Stevenson transferring, Otis Reese leaving in the fall. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there. So I think the obvious choice is the secondary minus Lewis scene, who is in positions, and who is running with the ones? You know, I don't think this is going to be set in stone. That's starting in Clemson, but three weeks from now, let's see what kind of idea they have and how they're going through uh, the rotations and those types of things. And, and, and Jake, specifically what me and you hear kind of behind the scenes in the practice report. I'm on pins and needles to find out who's working at Star. I don't know why that's, you know, I've asked, I was thinking about it the other day. I've probably in press conferences, whether Zoom or in person, asked Kirby Smart about the star position five more times than anybody else who has ever covered Georgia athletics. I have no idea why. I'm always interested in that spot, and I'm, I'm interested to see what Georgia does with it because I don't necessarily think Latavius Brini is your every-down guy there. William Poole has a start there. It was all the way back in 2018. Is it, you know, do they give Ringo a shot there? He's worked all at cornerback. Do they give Nylon Green a shot there? He's not 190 pounds. Um, you know, do, do they – does Kamari Lasseter get a shot when he comes in? Does Javon Bullard surprise some people? Can, does Amir Speed finally move down there? I mean, six, you know, six three, two hundred and ten pounds, definitely put together to kind of help out at that position, but he's a physical enough to play against the run. I think that's kind of been the knock on him. So there's just a lot of things factoring in there. Uh, I'm going to throw mine in there real quick, though, since you covered kind of, you know, something, and I know I rehashed it. But I think we're going to hear Kirby Smart at least once complain about the lack of linebackers and this is why Mikhail Sherman MJ Sherman out labrum injury N'Kobe Dean out labrum injury uh Tresman Marshall likely out also a shoulder injury um Xavier Sori you know iffy 
health wise, you know, foot ankle type thing, um, maybe limited some, I think ultimately, you know, at some point, you know, Kirby's going to, you know, kind of push the visor back, scratch his head and talk about how they missing bodies at linebacker. And I think that's something we're going to hear um, out of him. Kip, what is your storyline player development on defense three weeks from now? For me, it's, it's highly rated or former highly rated recruits finally get their chance to shine. And, and that's it kind of multiple guys. I mean, for one, Trevon Walker, We've talked about his star potential, you know, since he joined the roster. I, it's not like he hasn't played a lot. I mean, he's played a lot, but last year he was, you know, behind Malik Herring a lot. Uh, only had, uh, what, like 13 tackles in a sack. So this is his year to step in. And, you know, if, if he's an all-conference level player, now is his opportunity to showcase that and make, you know, an even bigger impact and then kind of staying with that. Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith. And we're talking about uh, we've always annually the discussion about Adam Anderson and, you know, where is he as far as putting on weight? And and we, Rusty has mentioned that it sounds like he's been able to kind of make some progress in that regard. And, I mean, obviously Nolan being a number one overall prospect – having to play behind guys like Jermaine Johnson, Aziz Ojolari, you know, now they're stepping into more featured roles. I mean, Adam Anderson was second on the team in sacks, you know, but in limited playing time, Georgia hasn't had a guy. Is it, is it been since Jarvis Jones? Last time Georgia had a double digit sack guy, I think when he had 13 and a half, I don't think they've had one since then. So that's, that's what eight seasons now since since Georgia's had a double digit sack. You know, a guy had double digit sacks, and and obviously last year with you know them playing less games and and the no non conference schedule, that probably you know had a pretty big effect on that streak continuing. But you give Adam Anderson you know a, a full season of snaps, and I, I think he's got a chance to to hit double digit sacks. So. And just seeing whether these guys are moved around, uh, you know, they've done that in the past a little bit and, and trying to just get the best out of their skill sets. Uh, you know, that's something that I, I'm looking to the spring. We might not get that, you know, kind of question answered in the spring, but that's those are just guys that I'm interested in overall this year. Just, you know, they're stepping into more prominent roles in this defense and they're going to be asked to do a lot more. And, and so I'm interested to in seeing – how they progress over the next couple of months. All right. Uh, so let's jump into recruiting here real quick. Michael Williams, uh, Christian Miller. Um, then you've got uh, Kojo Antoine, who has kind of pushed his back, but also set a date now. Rusty, why is this happening? Why are guys moving uh, dates back for those who, who aren't members of the junkyard over at Dogs 24-7 and, and don't kind of maybe don't understand what's going on maybe with the recruiting calendar right now? Potential for summer visits have really, um, and specifically those two, Michael Williams and um, Kristen Miller, are guys who want to take visits. Um, you know, USC is recruiting those kids hard, and, you know, they want to take official visits. They want to go out to L.A., um, Ohio State, Clemson. All these schools are recruiting those kids. So, you know, that Michael was, was, was pretty close to – he was done. So, his decision was going to be Monday, but – 
with the potential of summer visits opening up. He should know a couple of weeks, I think, on that. Um, you know, it, and it happens too. I mean, these kids get close to the end, and these schools start working these guys really, really hard. And I think he just want to take a step back. Christian Miller, uh, I talked to one of his coaches Sunday at the Lead 11. He was saying, you know, listen, that Ohio State offer was big for him. And, um, you know, not saying they're going to get him, but it, it kind of backed things off for him. And, you know, I, I personally think Florida might have had a kind of a slight lead, maybe. Uh, but Georgia, you know, who knows? He is uh, he's a guy that's coveted, and these schools are recruiting these kids and their potential for summer visits. These kids haven't been on campus since, like, fall of 2019, some of these places. So with the potential of visits coming up, it really has slowed some things down. Uh, Emmanuel Henderson is going to make his decision this weekend. I, I still think that's Alabama. I would go with Alabama uh, based off what I've heard. I haven't heard 100%, but that's what I would be leaning and it sounds like Malachi Starks is going to stay with his decision, and that's probably going to come down to Georgia and, and Clemson there. So we'll have more with that. But those two defensive linemen in particular, those guys want to take visits, and seeing that information that came out earlier this week uh, really put the brakes on some things. You know what? There's there's some respect that deserves to be tossed with that because these guys, you know, they've they've kind of already created a buzz and they've kind of already you know been written about and they could go ahead and go forward with that commitment and kind of be committed but not committed and take their visits and and you know kind of ride out the wave as the landscape changes. But they're not. They're going to put it off. They're going to see what happens and and if the NCAA you know goes ahead and keeps things as they are, you know those guys might turn around and commit. And if they don't, and if they don't, they start allowing visits. If they don't keep things the same, they start allowing visits. Then those guys take their visits. They kind of get things figured out, and then they go from there. But um, I, for one, hope these guys are allowed to take visits, and I hope they're allowed to take visits pretty soon. Um, you know, I think they, those can be done safely, and and I know the coaches are probably pretty stoked to kind of get a chance to see them again. I know that's where Georgia has benefited in the past. Kip, my question to you is this. If Georgia is – if – I'm sorry, if visits are allowed, advantage Georgia? Is that – how do you see that? It has to be advantage Georgia. I mean, a lot of these guys want to see some out-of-state places, but Georgia's always – I mean, that's been a factor with Georgia recruiting to begin with. I mean, Georgia prospects before had the opportunity to visit other places, and how has Kirby Smart recruited, you know, with that, I guess, even playing field – He's done really well. I think that's one of the aspects of the last cycle that, you know, was a curveball for everyone, but for maybe affected Georgia a little bit more than other programs because that is kind of where Georgia shines is the ability to get prospects in Athens, spend time with them, and, and that face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, building of a relationship is something that Kirby's staff has usually done really well with. And – and then, you I mean, just to add to that, you bring a guy like Scott Cochran on board uh, to your coaching staff and you were not able to utilize what, you know, we most people projected would be one of his strengths, which is in-person recruiting. So if George is able to host prospects, I, I think it helps them tremendously. I mean, local prospects will get to compare Georgia to other programs, which Georgia's done pretty well in that regard uh, over the past. And then, out-of-state prospects that Georgia is just working as hard as possible to try to get these guys to visit Athens without being able to spend time with the coaching staff. If they're able to to get them 
to check out the facilities, to spend time with players and the coaching staff. And that can only help Georgia, you know, recruiting out-of-state guys, you know, like Bronson Robinson in Mississippi. Uh, we're talking about a guy like Evan Stewart, the wide receiver who just decommitted from Texas that is very high on Georgia's board. Get, being able to get him on campus and, and spend time with, uh, you know, the, the family that he has in Georgia – would help Georgia tremendously in that regard. So I think overall, yeah, being able to host prospects would be a huge boon to Georgia's recruiting. Not that it's hurting right now, but it's just an aspect of what Kirby Smart and his staff have been able to do well over the past five years. They haven't been able to do at all over the last year. So you give all schools the ability to host prospects. I think Georgia's going to come out, you know, with a net gain and, and really strong overall. Absolutely. And for a lot of those kids, it'll be the first time they've got a chance to see that new uh, football facility that Georgia has, you know, going up right now. I think, you know, that'd be something that that Georgia could use as a selling point. And, and like Kip, Kip, like you said, man, it has always kind of been the thing that that really helped Georgia land those number one, number two classes. It was something that was missing from this past cycle. And I think Georgia gets it back. You start to look more nationally, more at out of state, you know, recruits. And and the one I you know the one I'm looking at most at this point is Evan Stewart. If visits open back up, I think that's something that Georgia needs to get in on because he is, I think, the kind of difference making type of wideout that the Bulldogs really need in this class. That's all we got for today's show, everybody. I know it wasn't the longest one we normally you know we've had, but at the same time, I feel like we put a lot of information in there, and uh, we will be back with you next week probably after the start of spring drills, uh, just so we have some kind of some some things to go over, some content probably after pro day as well. A uh, lot going on next week. We'll have it covered for you. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. You guys have a great weekend and take it easy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.